it's Sam and Scott from Ship It Studios Premier Wrestling Podcast, Above the Ring. And Sam, let's talk about Riverside.fm, the leading podcast and video creation platform that's changing the game on how creators record their content. Riverside.fm allows you to record studio-quality audio and up to 4K video on their platform. Now you can interview a guest a thousand miles away, and it will sound like you're sitting in the same room. Did you know that it's as easy to use as Zoom, but it gives much higher quality audio and video recordings? Did we mention that they have a mobile app? This allows guests to connect directly from their phone and record content from anywhere. After your content is finished, you can easily grab clips to share them across your social media channels. So if you're looking for a platform to put over for all your recording needs, from podcasts to webinars to other video content, you should be using uh, Riverside.fm. Sign up today so you can focus on your content and leave the quality to Riverside.fm. Use promo code SHIPIT and receive 30% discount on the first three months of your subscription. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for your Hell in a Cell post show. I am Scott, the man behind the Twitter of Bet the Media. My goodness, what a show. You know, going into tonight's pay-per-view, my hype for the show wasn't exactly high, I'll be honest. I was sitting at about a six out of 10, um, having the Rey Mysterio-Roman Reigns match moved to Friday kind of took the air out of the sails for me a little bit. Um, SmackDown had done a good job of hyping the show, but I was a little worried without having Roman on the show, how well it would really translate. Um, but I'm glad that I was that I was wrong. Um, I, uh, overall, with this show, I gave it a B. Um, probably an 83, 84, if you're going to go by a grade system. Um, I think out of all the matches, there was really only one that was kind of weak, uh, but we'll talk about that once we get into the results. Um, but overall, solid pay-per-view. Um, I'm glad uh, that I, I I'm glad that I, I watched it. I enjoyed it. Um, some matches. I'm glad that the feuds will continue. Other ones, um, I'm glad that they're seemingly over. Um, for good reasons and for bad. Not not for, you know, saying, oh my God, thank God they're over. <laughs> but we'll just we'll just dive into it. So our, during our kickoff show, we had uh, an added match. There were seven matches on the card tonight. Um, and... I kind of figured they'd throw one in there for the pre-show, and I, I was right. Um, it was the first of four women's matches on this card. There was actually more female matches on this card than male matches, which I really enjoy. I like the fact that they're doing that. It's also kind of hilarious that it was on Father's Day, but that's that's whatever. I'm sure that was just a whatever. <laughs> uh, also, for those of you who will listen to this, happy belated Father's Day for all of you who are who are fathers. Uh, truly appreciate you guys. Without you, 
uh, we wouldn't be here. So <laughs> happy Father's Day. But your kickoff match was Mandy Rose with Dana Brooke taking on one half of the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, Natalia with Tamina by her side. Now, Mandy Rose, we'll be honest here. When she first came in, part of Tough Enough, Miz saving her, you know, we were like, all right. And I'm not alone in this. A lot of people were like, all right, she's eye candy. That's really all this is probably going to be. Whatever. That's how a lot of the Tough Enoughs were, unfortunately, on the female side, which is unfortunate. But that was just the culture back then, and I'm, and I'm very glad that it's changed. She came in. She did, you know, back then she did okay. She had her moments. Obviously, the stuff with her and Sonia was was real good. The stuff with her and Otis was good as well. Um, but she's been putting in that work. Like she's not just a pretty face or a beautiful woman, for that matter. She's really upped her game, especially in the last like year and a half, like during the pandemic era, as which a lot of people are calling it, which kind of makes a lot of sense. I think Mandy's probably been one of the most improved wrestlers on WWE's female roster. And um real proud of everything that she's accomplished. It's like it's 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 awesome to see her growth since she's arrived. Uh she had a great match with Natalia. Uh Natalia did go over with sharpshooter. Um but still I kind of feel like both of these women won in this match. Um, so I'm, I like the pairing of Mandy and Dana. Um, and I kind of hope that now they try to do something with Dana and Tamina and maybe have Dana go over Tamina. That way it kind of keeps Mandy and Dana in the tag team title picture. But that's just me doing my fantasy booking first thing. <laughs> Um, but when the main show started, we jumped right into the fire. Women's Hell in a Cell match, Bianca Belair and Bailey. Bianca coming out in gear that I swear to God, when I saw it, I'm like, that's Harlem Heat's gear. Their white gear that they used to wear at WCW. I was like, oh my God, that's awesome. I just loved it. Um, that match, my God, it was a hair under 20 minutes, but a hair under 20 minutes of, of fantastic, just brutality between Bailey and Bianca, Bailey able, I'm sorry, Bianca able to retain her title by doing a KOD to Bailey onto a ladder. Now. It was just insane. Like that, that finish was great. Um, this is probably, uh, I would probably rank this one out of the four women's matches that they've had. I would put this third, but barely because it's tough to top Becky and Sasha and then Sasha and Bailey. Those two matches were just 
oh my god, for women's matches in general, and then to be Hell in a Cell matches, they were really, really good. But I would slide this maybe, I would say, to B. You know, um, yeah, that would that would be where I put it. I, I really, really enjoyed this. Bianca looked like a mega star coming out of this match. Um, Bailey now 0-2 in Hell in the Cells. Um, but I have a feeling that this feud is finally done. Um, I'm not sure where Bailey's going to go next, and I'm interested to see who the next challenger is for Bianca Belair. After that, we moved on to what I personally was hoping to be the best match of the night and can say I would probably put that one as maybe number three, Seth Rollins and Cesaro. Now, the storytelling that these two have done over the, since WrestleMania, since the, the feud leading into WrestleMania match, was has been something that I've enjoyed so much. Um, both of these men are two of my absolute favorites. They have been for quite some time. And to see them be able to wrestle one another and have this great non-title-related feud has, has been such a joy. Um, and this match was was just amazing. Seth Rollins getting the win on Cesaro with a sneaky small baggage roll-up pin was just great. Cesaro's face after the three count was just like, son of a bitch, you got me. Seth being the shit heel was all like, I'm the greatest ever, and we're even... Ha! Now, I know that obviously this feud is not done, and we're probably going to have our blow-off third match at uh, Money in the Bank, which will be in July in front of fans. Oh my god, I can't believe I said that. Less than a month away, Fort Worth, Texas, Money in the Bank, front of live crowds. We're back, boys and girls. (laughs) You don't understand. How excited I am for them to get out of the Thunderdome and back on the road where they belong. But that's then. This is now. Great match between Seth and Cesaro. Looking forward to seeing how this continues come Friday on SmackDown. The next match, however, I will definitely say was the weakest one of the show. uh, Unfortunately, by far. It was the match between Miss Bliss and Shayna Baszler with Nia Jax and Reginald. Um, at one point, Miss Bliss was able to hypnotize pretty much everybody uh, and make them do random things, including, which I thought was probably the funniest part of the show, or, or at least of that match, was when Miss Bliss made Nia slap Reginald and sent him flying. Um, and then Miss Bliss wins with Twisted Bliss. And unfortunately, the monster that was Shayna Baszler is no longer a monster. 
Um, I, I really don't know where this goes. Hopefully, this will move on and this bus will go somewhere else and start something. I just, I understand what's been going on with Bray. Um, you know, mental health issues are a serious, serious thing. And I know that the death of Brody Lee really hit him hard. And of course, with everything else going on, I know that, you know, he needed to step away to get into a better mindset. And I get it. And a lot of people miss him, myself included. But it's just what they've tried to do with the whole character of The Fiend and everything that was working with Miss Bliss and how they came together. It was a great team, even after Randy had sent you know, burn the fiend alive. And it was just her. She was building herself up. And then everything that had happened at Mania, which confused a lot of people until it was, you know, actually explained on why they made the change because Bray wanted to take time off, you know, to heal and, and grieve and just go. But... <sighs> Everything recently with Alexa Bliss has just been, man, it's been, I don't know. It just, it, it's fallen flat for me. Um, and I hate to say that because I loved the, the entire buildup. But at this point, it's just like, she needs something to bounce off of to make the supernatural stuff that she's trying to do seem real. And I think Shayna was the wrong person to do it with because Shayna is all reality. It's just, they're too far apart. Like the, the two women, their, their characters are just so far apart. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't seem to work. Like, I understand, yes, the whole thing, you're supposed to suspend your, you know, your uh, your your mind and, you know, understand that obviously, you know, it's whatever she's trying to do, witchcraft or whatever the hell you want to call it. It's just, you're supposed to suspend your, your sense of, you know, believability. I get it. But the way Shayna is, like her character portrays and even like off script stuff, like stuff that she does on Up, Up, Down, Down. She's pretty much that character, period, like in real life. <laughs> so it's just so far apart. It just, it didn't click for me. And I know for a lot of people, they've been saying they want the old Bliss back and obviously they want the Fiend back. But, you know, until Bray's ready to come back, this is what we got. Um, Bray's even stated that at least his character, he's not going to be doing anything with her anymore. Anyways, so we'll see. Uh, we then moved on after that to another match that uh, I will have to say was the best storytelling match of the night, and I'm not surprised. Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens, which, again, I did not see this happening. 
Sami Zayn getting the win over Kevin Owens. Um, I know they really, really sold the whole attack from Commander Aziz on SmackDown with the Nigerian Nails. And every time he got an opportunity, Sammy was able to try to drop Kevin on his neck so that he couldn't breathe. It just, the match was just, it was 12 minutes and 40 seconds, but I felt like it was a half hour clinic because they did such a wonderful job telling a story as they were wrestling. I I wish that every match was like that. It's just, you, you tell a good story. It could be a six-minute match, but it'd be one of the best matches of the night because it delivers on a, delivers on its story. Um, I, I really hope that younger wrestlers out there really watch these matches and really take stuff from it because it's just it's so entertaining to watch. And the fact now that you know Sammy can run around uh, with uh, you know and make fun of Kevin about how karma got him and, you know, uh, cosmic justice, I believe Sammy was calling it. And it's just, I I look forward to watching raw to see what happens with these two, because clearly this feud isn't over. Um, I'm sorry, not in raw. That's also a SmackDown show. See this, all the good stuff coming from SmackDown. (laughs) Um, After that, we had the, Raw Women's Championship match between Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley, with Charlotte getting the win only by disqualification. Now, the main issue I had with this match was the ending. Not that it was a DQ. DQs are fine. They're always a part of WWE programming. That's another thing that always kind of like makes me chuckle. We can't have a match... But we can't have a show where it's all clean finishes. There has to be a dusty finish somewhere. There has to be, you know, something screwy, a count out or a DQ or something. You know, it just wouldn't be the WWE way without it. I'm okay with that. The problem that I had was the way the DQ happened. So at the end of the match, Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair are outside of the ring. And they're fighting near the announce table. Well, Leah's starting to, you know, clear off the announce table. And she takes the covering that's that's always there and shows the logo of the show. She whips it backwards and it hits Charlotte in the face. Now, every show I've ever watched on, you know, in WWE, when that happens, oh, it just happens. Whatever. But the ref calls for a DQ. It's like, wait a minute. Like, that doesn't make any sense. It's not consistent. If you have consistency, it's one thing. It's like calling for the DQ in the Hell in a Cell match between Seth Rollins and The Fiend, that people still to this day say that's probably the worst match, the worst finish of a match of all time. But I I, <laughs> I tend to agree. I, I was, I don't get upset like really upset at things within wrestling because I understand what they're trying to do. But with that finish, with the type of match that they are in, you just don't do that. 
It's just that's bad business. It just does not work. But it happened. So it is what it is. This one, I'm not upset. I'm not super upset about it. I'm just annoyed at the lack of consistency. If it's never been a DQ before, why is it a DQ now? I understand the ref has their, you know, their leniency or their, you know, their their way of doing their job. But it just, I don't know. It just seemed odd. I didn't, I didn't like it. They tried to explain it away, or at least the ladies did, um, with Charlotte saying, <laughs> now you're starting to learn. Um, and Rhea said, well, I just did what you'd do if you were champion. So I'm like, all right, okay, you're starting to explain it. I guess I'll give it a pass. It's just whatever. <laughs> and then your main event, um, which I will say was the definitely the fight of the night. Uh, Bobby Lashley defending his WWE Championship in a last chance Hell in a Cell match for, with, for Drew McIntyre. Brilliant match. The match was almost uh, almost 26 minutes with, you know, a ref bump and uh, the cage door had to be opened. MVP then getting physically involved more than once, uh, even when he was on the outside. And Bobby Lashley was able to defeat Drew McIntyre because Drew was setting up for the Claymore. MVP, after being taken out, grabs Drew's leg, which obviously distracts Drew. Drew trying to get MVP off of him, which allows Bobby to roll up Drew and gets the pinfall. Now, I saw a lot of people were mad at that finish. Now, I get it. It's not the dominating finish that you'd want. But if you look at it from a heels standpoint, Bobby knew he was beat. And Bobby needed to do whatever he possibly could to save his title. That's what you do as a champion. You win at any cost. MVP knew the same thing. MVP knew that Drew had it, had Bobby in his sights. He was ready to go. So MVP grabs the leg, causes the distraction. Bobby rolls up Drew McIntyre with a handful of tights, gets the one, two, three. Bobby moves on for new challengers, and Drew now. We don't know. We don't know what happens with Drew. So now Drew, uh, well, I'm sure we'll we'll see something tomorrow um, or on Monday when Raw hits. Um, but who knows? Great, like I said, easily the best actual fight of the night. This reminded me of how a Hell in a Cell match should be. It was brutal. It was a lot better than, than Roman and Reigns was on Friday. Um, and I would say it was only a hair better than Bianca and Bailey's um, earlier in the evening. Um, but I, I was I was entertained by this pay per view. Um, like I said, the only one that was uh, a little weaker was the Bliss and and Baszler fight. Um, but I'm not going to dwell on that any longer. <laughs> so. Guys, thank you so much for listening. 
I truly do appreciate you. Uh, if you don't already, please follow us on Twitter at media underscore bedlam. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube as Bedlam Media. You can find myself pretty much everywhere as Scotty J Stream, and you can find this podcast on every podcasting platform out there. Uh, if we're not on one that you listen to, please let us know. We'll add ourselves to it. That way you can do your one-stop shopping. And uh, everybody needs a little bedlam in their day. So, guys, once again, thank you so much for listening. Um, by the way, we do have a poll out there for uh, your thoughts on Hell of a Cell on Twitter. So, please go ahead and uh, Give us a vote. We got uh, 22 votes so far with, uh, at the time of recording, 21 hours left. I'd love to hear what you guys think. Um, like I said, I gave it a good solid B, but 83, 84. A uh, few things that I discussed during the, during the show that I was not a big fan of. But overall, I really enjoyed the show. So, guys, once again, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you, and we will see you. Tonight for Monday Night Raw. Have a great night, guys. And most importantly, please do not forget to join the bedroom. Good night. Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.